Uh, good morning, EBC. How are you guys doing today? I want to welcome you. Welcome to our second service. Great crowd here today. Hey, we are in a series that we started last week called Are We There Yet? And we are talking about our parenting and what that looks like. And uh, lots of parents in the house, I know, in all of our services. And here's what we kind of came to the conclusion of last week. No matter how old your kids are, we never arrive in our parenting. There's always room for us to grow, to be better moms and dads. Amen? Wouldn't you agree? Right? Last week, we looked at this story of this man named Jairus. We looked at one of the Gospels, and we saw that Jairus was this powerful man. He was a man of, of position. He was a man of status. He was a man of leadership, spiritual man who led within the synagogue of his town. And as he was leading, here's something that we learned from this passage is no matter, no matter what your status is, no matter how much money you have, no matter what kind of leader you are, whenever there's something that's going on with our kids, it will always bring us to our knees. Amen? right? And so what does he do? He, he has a daughter who's very sick. He comes before Jesus. He's down on his knees. And do you remember what he invited Jesus to do? And he pled with Jesus. He said, Jesus, help. Jesus, help. This is a, par a parent's prayer. Help. Come, come into my home. And he invites Jesus to come into our home. Now, this is a great example of what it looks like to parent in faith in saying, Lord, I need you to come into my life. I need you to come into my family. We need you. But many times we parent, as we discussed last week, we parent in fear. And what fear leads to, whenever we parent out of fear, it can lead to a couple of, couple of kind of things that bring imbalance into our parenting. One of these things we, we said last week, we talked about, was what we would call paranoid parenting, okay? Where we're this paranoid parent, where we're overly strict and, and we have all of these rules and there's very little relationship maybe, uh, or we're always helicoptering in and we fix everything for them. We don't ever like them make Make mistakes on their own and, and really just uh, we're very high on discipline and maybe very low on love. And this could be a, parent, uh, a paranoid parent, okay? Now, the complete opposite of this would be what we would call a permissive parent. And there are a lot of permissive parents that we see in our culture today, and they're incredibly high on hugs, which is good, but with no balance of discipline within their child's life. And so what we often end up having is we have very child-centered families, and we we end up raising them and enabling them to think that the world kind of revolves around them. They have very little discipline in their life. And, and so many times they become entitled. They become little narcissists that we have been the ones who have enabled them to this. Okay. And you may think, well, how is that in any way? How is that fear? That, how does that relate to that? Well, in many cases, the reason it's fear is because we're more interested in being their friends. And we're afraid that if we bring discipline, they won't like us. We're, and we're fearful that they won't like us at this point. And, and, and so it's, it, it, we see this all of the time. And so it's easier just to be permissive. It's easier to be passive because here's something else we could say about discipline, which we'll talk more about next week. But here is the deal. It's hard work to bring discipline into the home. It's not easy. It requires effort. And sometimes it's not popular, and maybe you're not the popular parent right now because you know that discipline is important. And as much as we all love our kids, and our kids are incredible, and we all have great kids here, here is what the Scripture says about every child, but it's also, it's really about us because we were kids at one point. It says this, that it says, Scripture says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child that foolishness is bound up in the heart because we are born as sinners, right? But it says the rod of 
correction drives that from them. And you may be like, wow, Pastor Bart, what are you saying? Well, this rod of correction, this rod was something that a shepherd would use. And it wasn't used to beat the sheep. That's not, he would use it. If you see them, it's to tend them and it's to move them along. And when they begin to get out of line, to begin to bring them back, and they would have a staff where they would do that as well. But it wasn't used as a weapon against the sheep. He care, the shepherd cares for the sheep and loves the sheep. And it's to keep them on the right path. And so what we said last week is this, is that if we're a paranoid parent, here is the deal. Our kids are going to grow up in the real world. And if we don't bring some discipline in their life and understanding of authority in their life now, the world is, is going to awaken them to the harsh reality. And oftentimes it will be with no grace. It won't be with the kindness and with the love that you can have for your child as you bring discipline. So what we want to do is we want to land somewhere in the middle. We don't want to be a paranoid parent. We don't want to be a permissive parent. What we want to talk about today is this moving towards being what I would say is a balanced biblical kind of parenting style, where there's balance, where we see, yes, we're high on hugs, but we also bring loving godly discipline in the lives of our kids. And man, we've got all kinds of parents who are here today. We have single parents that are in the house. I know that. And we respect you guys so much. And you, you do so much and work so hard to try to try to really fulfill a couple of roles. And, and you're balancing so much. I know that we have not only single parents, we have blended families. And so some of you are step parents and you're doing everything you can to try to bring two families together as one. And there's a lot of challenges that go, uh, with that. We have parents of young kids. Would you go, if you have kids that are toddlers and under, would you raise your hands? Okay. Look around. Look at their, look at their eyes. They look tired. Don't they? These people look tired. They need a nap. Okay. We have parents of teenagers. Would you raise your hands? Parents of teens. Look at these people. They look cynical. Don't they? Okay. They're struggling. We have, uh, we have, uh, empty nesters. Would you raise your hands? All right. Look at them in the first service. They broke out in applause. I'm not joking. And I'm just going to say, look at them. They look smug, don't they? All right. They look smug. Uh, I'm about to be in that category there. Uh, what do we have? I'm just curious. Do we have anybody that is expecting? You're expecting? You're going to be having a baby? You want to like to break it? Anybody? Hands up. I think I saw one, right? Here's what we say to you. Suckers. Okay. All right. No, but seriously, it's a great blessing. But there's all kinds of parents but, but no matter what level you're at, what we landed on last week was we all need Jesus's help. Man, we're still, we're still growing in this. And, and, and I've done about four or five parenting series throughout my ministry. And I realize every time I begin to do this, there's so much more room for me to grow. And as a side note, a side note I don't want you to think that, that I think I'm a, a parenting expert. I'm on the journey with you. I mean, we are on this road trip together. And let me just say, moms and dads, we're not there yet. We still have room to grow. And we're going to do this by God's grace together as we look in God's word. I've learned a lot in 23 years. My son just turned 23 last week. And I'm so thankful for God's grace in my life as a parent, because let me confess to you, I have blown it as a dad before. Any moms and dads, have you ever blown it? Yeah, look around. Well, I want you to know that God's grace applies even to our parenting, praise God, 
right? And he, lo- and he loves us in spite of the mistakes and he knows we're gonna make mistakes. And I- I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for this, the guidance of God's word, because I, I truly don't know how I would know how to do some of the things that, that I'm-, I'm tasked to do as a parent without God's word. And so many are trying to raise their kids without God's word. And, it- and it's, I can't imagine trying to do that. I've also been very blessed. And I know that, that some of you have not had this opportunity, but I had very good, godly involved parents that were in my life. And I know a lot of folks who are here, you didn't have that, but I'm thankful for that. There are great godly parents who are in here that maybe somebody modeled something for you. If you didn't experience that, and what I want you to know is that I want to point you to the perfect heavenly father who has modeled it for you. And we're going to look at more of that today. I'm not so naive as to think that I can give you a quick cookie cutter formula and say, if you do this exactly, you're going to be successful as parents. You're not going to have any problems. Your kids are going to turn out perfectly. I know that that is not the case. We don't live in a perfect world, but there are so many variables that we have in our lives, variables in our parenting, variables in your family dynamics and mine. I've watched amazing parents, godly parents who did their very best and yet their kids still blew it. And, and, and you, you look at that and go, where do they go wrong? Maybe they didn't go wrong at all, but here's the reality is every child has choice. Every child has the ability to make choices in their lives. And so don't beat yourself up. If your kids have blown it and maybe that's where you're at right now, maybe there's a strain in your relationship, don't beat yourself up. We should do our best to be the best parents that we could be, but we also, we wanna offer them up into the hands of God and we trust God, that's parenting in faith. So I don't want you just to, I don't wanna just give you a bunch of opinions and tips on what I think is, is good parenting. I wanna point you to Jesus. I wanna point you to scripture today so that we round out this balanced biblical parenting. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter four, and then we're gonna work through a couple of verses there, chapter five, as well as chapter six. But I wanna start off, if you're taking some notes about some balanced biblical parenting, what does it look like? You need to write this down. Biblical parenting is rooted in relationships and relationship is what equals influence into the lives of our kids. Okay, our, our parenting, biblical parenting is rooted, all of it, I'll show you in a second, in relationship and, and, and this is important because relationship is what is going to give you influence into the life of your kids. A lot of times we think that we are successful as parents if, if maybe uh, our, our kids are outstanding at some athletic kind of thing, or maybe they have a high GPA, or how many activities can we enroll them in, in music or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but that's not the measure of success as a parent. Maybe we think we're successful if our kids have a high GPA, right? And there's nothing wrong with that either, but that's not the measure of a parent. You probably helped in some kind of way there, but that's not the measure. Some people measure parenting success with, well, everybody is eating and living indoors. So we're success. They don't really need anything else. They just need that. And yes, they absolutely need that. And maybe some of you, that's the culture that you grew up in where there was indifference. There wasn't much emotion attached to the parenting. There wasn't much influence. And I know a lot of people who are still carrying a lot of wounds because of that parenting style that maybe you, that you went through as a child. And now I don't know who said this, okay? 
Uh, I don't know if it was Andy Stanley or Josh McDowell, a couple of pastors, but I do know I heard my wife say this the other day, and she's an incredible mom, and, uh, and she also is a school teacher, and I heard her say this. She uses love and logic a lot, okay? And I heard her say this. She uses it on me a lot, okay? But what I heard Hope say the other day was this, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion, And I had this sobering thought this week, and I hope that you kind of feel the weight of what I just said there and will say to you here, moms and dads, grandparents, feel the weight of this, okay? As a parent, we plant a seed in the lives of our children, whether we like this or not, of what they perceive and think God is like. I know that's a heavy thought, but it's so true. I can't tell you how many people I have met with as a pastor and, and, and they have a barrier between their relationship with God and sometimes, not it isn't a blanket case, but if they maybe had a parent or a father who was very aloof and disinterested in them and didn't really care much or, and, and just kind of self-absorbed, a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times a person like that will get to the root of a discovering that many times they will think that God can never be interested in me. And so there's this seed that gets planted early on. That's why this, what we're talking about today is so important. Or maybe someone who had a very angry and harsh father and, and, or, or, or mom or, or, or you know, and, and that was the case. And, and they may think that God could never really ever be forgiving or compassionate or kind. And so whenever we talk about that side of God, it doesn't really, really resonate with them. They don't really get this. Or maybe... Maybe they had permissive parents. And so whenever we actually talk about the loving discipline of God, they struggle with that because all they ever want to talk about is just the tender side of God. But sometimes God must bring discipline in our lives. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. Actually, because he disciplines, it evidences that we're his sons and daughters. I'll show you that next week in the book of Hebrews. It's a really sobering thought. The relational side of our parenting is sending a major image to our kids that if, and, and, and it affects what their image many times of what God is like. I'm not saying that if you had bad parents that you can't be in love with Jesus now. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there is an impact that is definitely there. This is so important that as we, as who are parents here today, that we are striving and growing in our relationship with God. We're not there yet. There's always room to grow, amen? There's always room to be more like Jesus and to grow to love him more. So as we're doing this, the apostle Paul, I wanna take you to chapter four. He's writing to a group of people where a church was planted there and he's gonna speak to them in the first portion of the book about God's love for them, God's grace for them. And he's gonna talk a lot about their relationship with God because in the second half of the book, what he's gonna talk about is the way God has loved you now should impact the way that you love others. And that includes our family. It includes our parenting. It includes our relationships as husband and wives, okay? He's gonna talk about now that you know Jesus, you should be different. Now that you are a follower of Christ, what Paul is gonna say, and you have understood the grace of Jesus, you should begin to to act differently within your relationships and, and be able to show grace within your relationships. So this what we find. Paul knew that life was all about relationships. Your relationship with God is so important because it impacts your relationship with others. 
Now, what we need to know about this culture in which Paul was writing this to was that these believers that as they were living in this culture, this Roman Greco culture, um, they did not place, and I don't know how else to say this, they did not place a high value upon women or upon children. It just did not. Now, when Jesus came, Jesus showed how women are to be treated. Women are to be valued and are to be loved and that they are a treasure as much as a man is to God, right? And Jesus showed this. And Paul is saying now to the husbands and to the fathers, he's saying, listen, I know your culture says this is what it looks like to be a husband and this is what it looks like to be a dad. And what Paul is saying is now that Christ is in you, it should look different. You should be different than the culture in which you live in. Now he's gonna say, husbands, this is how you should love your wives. Now he's gonna say, wives, this is how you should love and respect your husbands. He's gonna say uh, to parents, this is what this relationship should look like with your child. And in essence, what Paul is gonna begin to do is filter what happened in the first part of Ephesians now into impacting the second part of Ephesians. And that's where I wanna take you. You could say that as Paul is all about relationships, that this impacts all of our relationships, okay? But I'm coming at the parenting angle. So let's just say, if you're a parent, you can filter it with this, what I'm about to read to you. It would be as if Paul was saying, moms and dads who are believers, all right, are you ready? Here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. All right, remember, he's talking to us, moms and dads, and he's talking to everybody, but filter it with this slant of the fact that he's including parenting in this. Now, instead, he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now, look at the motive. Just as God, through Christ, has done what? Forgiven you. Just as he has expressed his grace to you, now he's saying, we wanna turn that grace that we have experienced now out into the relationship of others who are around us. And now think about it as a parent, okay? In the way that we love our kids, right? Now go to chapter five, verse one. And I wanna invite you to read this with me out loud. Chapter five, verse one, let's say it out loud. Imitate God. Everybody say it with me again. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. This includes your parenting, that we are to imitate God. We are to think of what God has done in our life and we are to reflect that in the way that we treat our children in everything you do. This includes our parenting, this includes how we treat our spouse and and it means this, we better get to know Jesus deeper. We're not there yet. We wanna keep growing in our relationship. Now he's gonna say, why? Look, because you are his dear children. You're his, you're his kids, you're his prize, you're his beloved. And he's saying, I've loved you this way. Now I want you to love the kids I've blessed you with in the same way. I want you to love them. I want you to demonstrate what this looks like, what God's love looks like through the way that you parent your kids. Now you're to reflect that. Now look at verse two, live a life filled with love, he says, following the example of Christ. Do you know what I see? I see some language being used here. Imitate Jesus, follow the example of Jesus, that we're to look like Christ uh, in the way that we parent our kids, in the way that we treat our children. He goes on and he says, he loved us. 
He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, maybe you've never had an earthly parent who's shown you that kind of love. Maybe they never modeled that for you, so you're not quite sure what that looks like. Well, here is what is so beautiful. You may have not had that, but you have Jesus. So you wanna get to know Jesus. You wanna look more and more at how Jesus loved and how he treated people. And he's gonna, this translates over into chapter six, verse one. Let's skip on over to that. He says, children, he's gonna begin to talk to the kids. Children, who are in Jesus Christ? You're following Christ. Look what he tells us to do who are kids. Obey your parents. Look, why? Because you belong to the Lord. Because you're different than the world that, of, of kids who don't know Christ. So if you're a child in here or a teenager in here, this is your, this is your admonition to obey your parents. You say, well, they're not perfect. Well, neither are you. And they'll never be perfect. But God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. Your motive is because he told you to do this and you wanna be obedient to him. Look, for it is the right thing to do. He's saying, as they are seeking to fulfill their responsibility uh, to you in raising you up in him, your responsibility is to obey them. Now, verse two, not only is it to obey them, but it's to honor them, to honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, this is obedience with a right heart. It's a call which involves a proper attitude. It's appropriate behavior. What Paul is doing is he's quoting some Old Testament here, and he's, he's, he's kind of transferring this into what is known and called the law of Christ and how we love others. Verse three, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, I know there's a lot that could be said there, but that's not the point of today. What I would say how this kind of applies to what we're talking about today is the way that our kids learn to relate properly within the context of us as their authority, as their parents, will so often, if they learn that early on, will so often translate a little easier for them whenever they have the authority of a boss or they have the authority of someone else that's trying to tell them something, or their future spouses, you know, and how they relate to them, or their future children. And Paul is gonna make this radical statement next, okay? He's gonna say, he's gonna speak to fathers, all right? So every dad in here really needs to listen. You say, well, why are we getting picked on? Well, let me tell you what was going on in this culture. What was going on in this culture is women were not treated with respect, children were not treated with respect. Fathers oftentimes in the Roman Greco world were very disengaged and the raising of children was left pretty much entirely to women. So moms, what Paul is about to say is not to discount you, it was already understood that you were already doing this. You are already involved. What Paul is about to say is revolutionary, men. What Paul is gonna say is he's gonna say, because Christ is now in you, you are to partner with your spouse in raising these children up in me. You're to show them what God looks like. You're to be a leader within your home, modeling Jesus before all who are in your home. Paul is saying, fathers, step up. He's saying, dads, don't be aloof. Don't be indifferent. Don't pass the buck to somebody else. What he's saying is, men, man up. This is exactly what he's saying. Now that Christ is in you, what he's saying, roll up your sleeves and get involved in the parenting. Don't pass the buck to somebody else. He's gonna begin to bring up, not discipline first. I want you to see what Paul brings up first, relationship. Look at this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger 
Men, will you say what the rest of it says? Men, read it out loud with me. What does it say? To anger by the way you treat them. This is the relational part of parenting. This is so radical. A lot of us wanna go straight to the discipline. Pastor Mark, can you please get to the discipline? We'll get to the discipline next week. But if you don't have the relationship before the discipline, you don't have the influence. It's so important that we understand this. This this place, this was an authority that this dad had because of the position that the culture had granted him. They could, I don't know if you knew this, but they could treat their children however they wanted to treat them with immunity. Do you realize that a father in this age could, in this time, could determine whether or not a child would live or die? This was how it was. This is what was going on. And he's saying, no, you need to step up and and you need to treat them as Christ has treated you. Paul is saying, you're in Jesus now. Your parenting should look different now. Paul's talking about relationship. The relationship you have with God begins to transfer into the relationship you have with your kids. He's saying, men, treat them as God has treated you. Well, therefore, we better know how God has treated us. We need to dig in deeper and understand it. I love this, okay, he goes on. Here's what he says. Rather than being disengaged, rather than than provoking them to wrath and anger, do you know one of the greatest ways to provoke a child to wrath and anger? is by being indifferent and being uninvolved. Do you know how many many kids or or just teenagers that whenever I was a youth pastor that would tell me, my parents don't have anything to do with me, they don't care about me, they're not involved in my stuff, they don't don't care. And, And that is just as much provoking to wrath is someone who is overly harsh, okay? And what he's saying is, no, this is your instruction. This is what you're to do. Rather, bring them up with the, everybody say it, what does it say? Discipline and instruction. It's not just discipline that's punitive. He's saying, no, it's, it's discipline that has teaching that goes along with it, that gives them reasoning by what's happening. And not only is it just discipline and instruction that comes, does it say from the world? No, what does it say it comes from? The Lord. Well, where are you gonna find that? Right here. This is where it's found. This is is where he's saying, do this. So this correction and teaching, it's not just punitive. All right, here's another thing to write down. The purpose of our parenting is to teach them also to be imitators of God. You see, the reason that we bring discipline and love into our kids' lives is because our purpose in parenting is raising them up in the Lord so that they also begin to look like what Jesus looks like. It's begin to, so they are reflecting Jesus to their friends when they go to school. Is that starting up here pretty soon, right? They're getting that, you're pouring into them and they're pouring into others because they look differently. Paul hits not just on discipline first, He hits on relationship. He's showing how these go hand in hand. This is what we would call your balanced biblical parenting. It's balanced biblical parenting. It imitates God as he loves us. And because of his love, he brings discipline with the end goal in mind. Whenever God brings discipline in our lives, we all know that God disciplines us, right? I'll show you next week in Hebrews where it says that he does bring discipline. You say, well, that's just mean. Well, when you see the passage I'm going to show you next week, it's not mean. He is a father who loves us. When God brings discipline in our life, is it to be mean and just to be punitive? Why does God allow discipline and bring it into our lives? He does it because he loves us. But what is he trying to do? Shape us who are believers to look like who? Jesus. This is called sanctification. 
And sometimes he uses some discipline in our lives when we get out of line. If he doesn't discipline you, what you'll see next week, if you don't experience the discipline of God, then you need to check your salvation because you may not be saved. You may not know Jesus as your savior. You may not be a son or a daughter of God. If you're a son and daughter, because he's a perfect father, he's gonna bring some discipline in our life. So there's a great question for us to deal with. If I were to ask this question, okay, um, here's the question. How, here's the practical stuff today. How, no matter what age your kids are, am I enhancing my relationship with my kids? How am I doing that? Am I just expecting it to happen? Or is there a plan that I'm working? How am I doing this? All right, everyone ends up somewhere, only some people end up somewhere on purpose. Are you doing this with a plan of how you're gonna to begin to be sure that you are investing in your kids in certain ways? Now, if I were to ask you, how many of you want a great relationship with your kids? I bet every parent's hand would probably go up, okay? If, if not, well, that, that's a whole other sermon, okay? But here's the deal. You'd say, absolutely. If I were to say, why? Why do you want that? Why is that important? There'd probably be a number of different reasons, but I wanna give you some takeaways, okay? Just very quickly for you to grapple with. And I've had to grapple with these over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for this and thinking over this and reassessing my own parenting. I'm on the journey with you, we're not there yet, all right? Well, why does regular relational assessment matter? If you're taking some notes, write this down. This is big the quality of your relationship with your child, the quality of that will determine the weight of your influence in their life going forward. The quality of the relationship that you are working hard at right now, I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect, but you're investing in, you're taking time in it, you're cultivating it, it is going to determine the weight of your influence going forward. And we know this to be true. Some of you, maybe you didn't have a great example of a father or mother. Maybe they left you, maybe they checked out on you for whatever reason, I don't know the reasons, but maybe they were there, but maybe they were just distant and they never really were involved in raising you and you just were kinda you know, left to your own and some things. And, and here's the deal, if they called you up to day and they tried to tell you some advice, you'd probably go all cats on a cradle on them. You know what I'm talking about? You know that song? Go listen to it, right? You'd be like, why am I going to listen to you now? You'd be like, man, stick it, old man. You didn't have time for me back then. Why should I make time for you right now? Do you see what I'm saying? This happens. You'd kind of be like, and, 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 and no relationship equals no influence. No relationship equals no influence. This is why this is so big in the area that we, we, we're setting this up for discipline, right? Because it's relational. It's important. If you, on the flip side of this, you, some of you had a great relationship with your parents and they, they invested in you relationally. And my mom and dad were in the last uh, service. They weren't perfect parents, but they were investing in me and they still invest in me. And now whenever I sit with them, I really care about what they have to say. I may not agree agree with them and I may not do everything that they say, but I have to say, you know what? They've earned some respect. They've earned the right for me to listen. And some of you maybe, you know, you haven't earned that with your kids and you want to earn that right now. 
I used this illustration a few years ago. It's the illustration of a high chair and a regular chair. The high chair is kind of like this, okay? Um, it, the high chair represents when your kids are little, they're totally dependent upon you, they're crying to you, they're asking you why. If you were to talk about the regular chair, it's representing as your kids are older, they're making more of their own choices, and they're not asking why as much as they're asking what. You know, what would you do now, right? But in the high chair, we have the influence because of our size, because of our position. I'm bigger than you. I've st I'm the one that has the power to strap you in and you're gonna do what I say because I'm dad, I'm mom, you're gonna do this and I'm in control. In fact, I can make another one that looks just like you, just like he said, Beyonce said there, okay? If you don't like it. That method though, that method doesn't last because they're gonna grow and they're gonna get bigger. And, and at some point there has to be a transfer because of the relationship that's being built with them while they're in the high chair, that whenever they get to the regular chair, because now they're in the regular chair and they're not strapped in and they can get up and walk away at any time. You know what I'm talking about? My dad, um, he's pretty, pretty good size and he's pretty fit. He might could still put me in the regular chair. He might could even strap me in, but I know how to work a buckle, okay, all right? So I could get out if I wanted. But I'm just wanting you to understand that this, is, that this method doesn't last if it's all about I'm bigger than you. At some point, you're not gonna be or you're not gonna be stronger. But, but, but my mom and dad, they have influence in my life now. Again, they would say, they would be the first to say they weren't perfect parents. But they would tell you this, the depth of the relationship that they began to develop with, with me they have my ear now. They have influence. I listen to things that they, that they want to say, all right? Now, here's something good to write down. We have to transition this well. Parenting is not just all about the win, all right? Biblical parenting is not about controlling actions. Write that down. Rather, biblical parenting is about shepherding hearts. It's shepherding hearts. It's moving them along and taking them by the hand, right? I love the message paraphrase on this particular verse. Listen to what it says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Oh man, I love this part. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. You're not beating them, right, to get there. You're you're taking them by the hand now. You're saying, come with me and follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. I'm not perfect in it, but come with me. We're gonna follow him together. Take them by the hand. Now, when they're little, you can grab them by the hand and what can you do? You can pull them if you want. You can drag them if you want, all right? But here's the deal. My dad's 70 years old now. And as he tries to follow Jesus and my mom follows Jesus and I'm a 48-year-old I'm man, they have my respect. If my dad says, come follow me, he doesn't grab me and pull me now. Do you know what I want to do? I want to grab his hand. I want to go with him. I say, I want to go with you. I want to go with you where you're going. This is all based on relationship. It's all on, on investment. He says, bring them up. It's one Greek word there. It means to nourish them, that it's your job to cultivate this build into them, nurture them, come alongside them, coach them. It's all relational. It's parenting like God has done with you. The way that he has loved you and says, take my hand, come with me. 
He doesn't make you love him, does he? You love him because of the way that he has treated you. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That's what the word says. All relational. All right, here's your, here's your last takeaway here, okay? It's shepherding their hearts. Love and discipline go hand in hand. Your, your second and final takeaway is the relationship we have with our children. This is heavy. Will impact the quality of their other relationships going forward. The relationship that we have with our kids will impact the quality of the relationships going forward. It's a heavy, sobering thought for us to consider today. It impacts their future relationships, the way that we love them, the way that we lead them. It impacts them more than we probably even uh, can ever know, right? Our investment relationally with them as parents does so much to establish not only their physical health and providing for them shelter and food and all of that, Guys, emotional health. And we are in an emotional health and mental health crisis in this country. Amen? We got to step up as moms and dads and invest in their lives, right? Modeling for them what Jesus looks like. This is why I started dating my 17-year-old my 17 year old daughter. She's now 17. She's a, I started dating her when she was a little girl. I would take her on daddy-daughter dates because I know that some fuzzy-headed boy is going to come along at some point when she is 45 years old. <laughs> and at that point, I want her to think I would much rather have a nice bald man. Yeah, that's what I want. Seriously, though, whenever I would do this with her and we would go on these dates and I would, I would open the door for her, I would, I would, you know, just treat her with such love and care. And I treat her that way still today because here is the thing. I want her, I know at some point, I can't control who she decides she's going to marry someday, but I want her to know what a godly man looks like who will love her not for what he can get out of her, but for who she is in Jesus Christ. I want her to know that. I want her to have standards that are not just my standards, but her standards are high because I'm gonna love her that kind of way because at some point, I want her to have a reference point. That's why my son, who's 23 uh, uh, and now and, and, and about to you know, finish his college degree and go, I want him, when he gets married one day, I want him to know, and I'm not perfect in this. I'm still growing in this. I want him to see that, it, that a dad and a husband should, should love the family and serve the family. I'm in a place of leadership in my home, but like Jesus, Jesus washed feet. Jesus would wash dishes. Jesus would clean the floor Oh man, this one hurts. Jesus would clean and change dirty diapers. I, I want to model that because remember, Jesus modeled it for me, and now I need to model that for them. Because when he gets married one day, I want him to treat his wife with that kind of respect. And I do this because I love my wife, but I got to tell you, I also do this because I want my kids to see that. I'm not perfect in it, I'm growing, I'm not there yet. We're there in this together. Right? This is, this is it. So, so how, how can you, going out of here, what can you do today? Sometimes we get a message and it's like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get around to that. No, what can you do right now to enhance your relationships? I'm going to give them to you right here. Here's what you can do, every one of us, because every person needs this. Every child needs this. Every person needs this. You can encourage them. Encourage them today. Every kid, every person needs encouragement because, man, let's face it, we live in a world that beats us up and it's beating our kids up. 
And they need to know that you are in their corner and the world is so harsh so often. What are ways you can do this? Write them a letter. Send them a text. I mean, things like this. Tell them why you love them. They need to hear this. It matters. I wish I had time to tell you more about this, but I was going through some of my stuff this week. My mom and dad were in the last service and I got really emotional because here's the deal. They were awesome at that. My dad wrote me letters and you just got to know my dad. He's not the letter writing kind of guy, but he wrote me letters. My mom wrote me lots of letters. Here I am, a 48-year-old man standing before a bunch of people crying about it because here's what I want you to take away. It matters. It matters. I started writing in this Bible. This is my preaching Bible. Texts are great, and I sent my kids texts, but I wanted my kids to have something beyond just digital. So I started writing in this Bible. This is going to be Luke's Bible. And I've been writing in it as I read through it, and I write my notes, and I write letters to him. And I'm going to give it to him soon. He's getting ready to go off, maybe most likely into the Air Force. And I'm about to go to work on Trinities because I want her to have the same thing, encouragement. Here's the other thing, acceptance. Acceptance because of their position in your life, not their performance. But because they're your son, your daughter, you accept them, you love them. Great, great imagery of that is when Jesus got baptized and God said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you realize that that all happened before his ministry years happened? It was because of his position. You are my son. A few years ago, Luke and I, whenever he was turning 16, we went to Colorado and we, we did a trek together. Some of you have seen this picture. We went up on, we summited Mount Ptarmigan there. And I was with a couple of other dads and their sons. And we were going to talk to our sons about what it means to be a man what is, what is, the world says manliness looks like this. Let's talk about what God's word says, what a man is. And I gave my son a necklace up on top of that. And we got along with our sons and I looked in his eyes. And I said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, I've been telling Luke since he was a little boy. And I still tell him this. If I were to line up all the little boys and all the boys all across this world, do you know I'd pick you to be on my team? I'd pick you. It's not because of your athletic ability or lack of. It's not because of how smart you are or what. I just want you on my team. I want, I want to go to war with you. That's acceptance. And here's your last thing. You, you can do these things today. Time. You got to give them time. Quality time and quantity time, they go together. Quality time with them. How are you ever going to model these things if you're not with them in it? And teaching them the things that God's teaching you. It's all about relationship. Our team is going to come out. We're going to do a final song. We bow with me in prayer. The final song that we're going to do today is turning your focus back upon the kind of father that God is to you, the way that he loves you, the compassion for you. 
We got all kinds of things that are going on in this room right now. Some of you, maybe you're beating yourself up because you've had some failures in your parenting. And I want you to know that God's grace applies to that. Maybe you can't, you can't change some things. You can't go back and change things. But I want you to know that today you can start moving forward. Maybe your kids are grown and you kind of blew it. And what I can say to you is that God will give you wisdom and grace he may even allow you the opportunity to serve your way back into their life. I said it last week. I want to say it again. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the best thing you could ever do for your family, for your children, is to place your faith in Jesus and to begin a relationship with him because then you're going to begin to discover that you are accepted by him because of Jesus that you've been loved, not by your performance, but because of his grace in your life. And he calls you son, he calls you daughter. He shows you what that looks like so that, and he gives you the strength that you need and the wisdom you need because parenting is hard. This morning, would you just say, Lord, teach me how to cultivate these relationships with my kids. Teach me more about the way that you love me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Will you stand with me as we sing this final song?